this series that we started two weeks ago. This is week three of thank you notes. I know it's we turn our mind to Christmas, usually right after Thanksgiving. Uh, but we're going to just put the pause button on that today. Uh, next Sunday, we'll start our Christmas series. I'm really pumped about it. It's simply called His Name Is. And for four straight Sundays, we're going to look at different names of Jesus that we see in Scripture, specifically those that we see uh, in, in different renderings of the Christmas story, if you will, in the Bible. So I'm really pumped about that. But we were going to tie a bow on this series called Thank You Notes. We've been looking at the book of Philippians together. Uh, God inspired Paul to write this letter to the Christians in Philippi, and it is literally a thank you note. And when we looked at the first chapter together, we learned some really cool stuff about gratitude. Uh, we talked about next level gratitude in week one, where we saw Paul literally thanking God for the Philippians. And what we learned from that is that next level gratitude is thankful to God for the stuff that we're thankful for. That we actually target that gratitude towards God himself, who is the source of all things that are good. But not only that, Paul could have thanked them for a gift that they sent, a monetary gift. But he spent that whole first chapter thanking God for them. And that's another thing we've learned, that, that, that next level gratitude is thankful for who's more than what's. Thankful for people more than stuff and things. So we've learned that together. Last week, uh, we, we talked about circumstances. Paul said this one phrase, what has happened to me? And what has happened to him? He was in jail. He is in jail for his faith, facing the death penalty in Rome. And yet he said this, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened to me is for my deliverance. Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, what an amazing attitude of gratitude that Paul had in the midst of dire circumstances. So we've learned that together. So today we're going to look, we're going to actually fast forward from chapter 1 of Philippians to chapter 4, the last chapter of that book of the Bible. It really is a great book of the Bible. Feel free to, hey, maybe one day we'll do a series and do the middle chapters of Philippians, but we're doing first and last today. Uh, we're going to look at Philippians 4, starting at verse 4 in, first, in just a few moments. What we're going to look at, what we're going to find in Philippians 4, 4 through 13 are what I would call life filters. Life filters. When Paul describes some of the things, kind of gives some commands, if you will, some wisdom, some practical tips, if you will, for the Philippians to apply to their life, I believe you can best describe them as filters. Filters are pretty important. If you know me at all, I'm a big fan of coffee. I love a good cup of coffee. So much that I've become a coffee nerd, if you will. And I've learned different ways of making coffee. I've learned different uh, uh, instruments to use to actually make coffee. But there's one thing that is true every time you make coffee. No matter how you make it, no matter what kind of equipment that you use to make it, I've never found a way that you make coffee without a filter. There's a filter used every time when you make coffee. So one of my new favorite ways to make coffee that I've learned several months ago is using a thing called a Chemex. And it's just a very simple thing. You, you put the coffee grounds in here, put that in there and you pour hot water over it, it seems like that just wouldn't work. That's too easy and too simple, but it is like the best cup of coffee ever. So, but you have a filter and 
probably still to this day, even though I'm a coffee nerd and maybe somewhat of a coffee snob, most of my coffee snob friends kind of stay away from Keurig machines, yet I still use one because it is quick and it is easy. Uh, and you may say, well, hey, I don't, I don't use one of those, you know, fancy little paper filters for that. The K-cup that you buy is the filter, actually. Uh, this, uh, you put it in the machine, you, you close the lid, and it pokes a hole in the top and a hole in the bottom, and the water goes through it, and it filters that water. A filter is something that's very important. What a filter does simply is it keeps unwanted things out and lets wanted things in. That's what filters do. And we've been talking about all this whole series that a thankful heart is a good, healthy heart. But if you want to have a good, healthy heart, and I'm not meaning just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, if you want one of those, you've got to apply filters. Because there are things that will want to leach into your heart emotionally and spiritually that are not good for you. And so what we're going to find together in Philippians 4 are these what I would call life filters. So let's look at this together beginning in Philippians 4 starting in verse 4. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And, And if I just push the pause button on that, like This man is in jail, facing death penalty in Rome, and he he keeps saying things that you're like, how how do you do it, Paul? How do you do that? How can you even say, rejoice in the Lord always, when you're staring death in the eyeballs in your own life right now? And yet, he he is on the front lines of saying, hey, listen, be joyful, not just occasionally, but always. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want." I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this is a crazy awesome passage because it's almost like an all-star passage because there's literally like three verses in there that you could walk into like Coles or Kirkland's or Hobby Lobby and you'll find some kind of decoration, some kind of wall hanging that will have some of these verses plastered on it. 
And, and so you've gotten to read like, oh, that's where those verses come from. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's, it's right there in this thank you note that God inspired Paul to write. But within this passage, we see these three life filters. And again, a filter keeps unwanted things out and lets wanted things in. The first filter that I see in this passage is prayer. The filter of prayer. And here's the thing about filters. You can have a filter, but if you don't use that filter, if you don't apply that filter, if you don't place that filter in between the thing that is unwanted and the thing that is wanted, are you catching me there? Like, I can have a filter, but if I don't actually use it, I don't actually place it in between what is unwanted and what is wanted, then it is of no use. And here's what I think happens when it comes to prayer. We have prayer. We voice prayers. We talk at God. We make lists for God, but prayer is much more powerful than that. We need to place that prayer between what is unwanted and what is wanted. And we don't do it occasionally. I, we don't even do it daily. We, we do it continually. We must always, always apply that filter continually, continually. Uh, I have to put in my phone uh, every three months a reminder to change my filter in my furnace at home. Because I, if it's only four times a year that I have to change it, I won't remember and I recently had to do that, like a couple of weeks ago. And, I'm, and, and it's always that thing where you pull it out, and it's like it's, it's fuzzy, you know, from all the stuff that it has collected over three months out of the air that I breathe. I'm like, thank you, filter. Hey, that would be a good thank you note, Travis. Thank you, filter, uh, for protecting my lungs for three months, and I didn't even know it. And, and so it's always there. It's always doing its work. Um, and, and prayer is the same way. It's a continual action, not, not an occasional thing that we do. And, and here's what it does. It keeps worry out, and it lets peace in. That's what prayer can do. Paul said, don't be anxious about the big stuff in your life. No, no, no. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And here's the filter that you can use to keep all that anxiety, all that worry out of your heart. It's prayer. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Keep out the anxiety. Keep out the worry. Let the peace of God in. That's what prayer can do. Now, I wish I could tell you, here's the secret formula to doing that. Because you're probably sitting there, and I'd be thinking the same things. Like, well, I pray. I pray. But I don't always feel like that works. Like, I don't feel like I walk away from my prayers anxiety-free every time. And I don't know exactly how to tell you the, the way to make that different. But all I know is this, is I think sometimes we just fail to make prayer an actual conversation with a real person. That's the best way I know to describe what I think is the missing ingredient oftentimes in our prayers. Is that God is this, this being that is not personal that we throw stuff at, that we, that we fling requests at, if you will. But what if we begin to treat prayer like there's an actual person who intimately knows me, who intimately hears me, 
and will answer my prayers. It's this faith that we have, believing that he actually hears the prayer and will respond to it in the way that is best. And if you actually believe that and you actually have a real conversation with him, I believe that as you practice that, as you do that, not just daily, but continually through your day, there'll be more times that you begin to walk away and say, you know what, I leave the worry there and I'll walk away with his peace. That's the only way I know to describe it. And I'm not even sure I described it well. But for those of you who've experienced it, you know it. It's like, it's different. It's not just throwing a prayer up towards the sky. It's having this relationship with the God of the universe. And he carries the worry for us. And we don't have to carry it anymore. But we don't walk away just one time like that and it's over with, right? Because that anxiety and that worry just finds its way right back, doesn't it? Right back. And then we got to apply that filter again and apply that filter again and apply that filter again. It is a continual thing prayer is. And so apply it in your life. Second life filter that I see in this scripture is thought. A filter for our thought life. When I first became a believer in Jesus... I had a completely unfiltered thought life. <laughs> I mean, any, it was free-flowing. Anything could work its way into my mind and into my heart, and it was not good, actually. That was not good at all. And, and I was introduced to Philippians 4.8 as a very, very new believer. And I don't know how. I don't know if it was one of the devotions I read or a friend told me to look at it, but in Philippians 4, 8, when it makes that big list of whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Have you ever realized that you are not at the whim of whatever thought comes to you? That you actually can choose what to think about? That you get to choose what you let into your mind and your heart? I know we don't always feel that way. Sometimes I feel like, you know, if you're like me, you're like, whoa, that was a weird thought. I need to kick that thought out of my brain right now. Have you ever had a moment like that? I have those moments all the time. And, and you're like, okay, that was, that was very negative. What was that all about? Oh, that was, that, that was a little mad. What was that all about? Uh, that was jealousy. Let me kick that out. These thoughts will come, and then that's the opportunity when we can filter to apply the filter of our thought life. When we do that, that keeps, I don't know any way to say it, it keeps garbage out and lets purity in. I mean, I don't know any way to say it, but if we don't filter our thoughts, we just get junk coming in all the time, all kinds of junk, all kinds of thoughts, negative thoughts, thoughts that can bring you down, thoughts that can change the way you perceive people around you, and you bring them down. That's what can happen. A friend of mine used to call it stinking thinking. you got to watch your stinking thinking. When you, stinking thinking creeps into your life, it affects everything. It affects your perspective. And you begin to see the world through the lens of those thoughts. You begin to send pe perceive people through the lens of those thoughts. And, and it's not good. You can actually be intentional with your thought life. You can choose what you dwell on. And when you apply the filter that Paul gave us to think on things that are excellent and praiseworthy and noble and pure and lovely, to think and dwell on those things, then I believe you'll begin to notice a change gradually in your mind and in your heart. So there's that filter. Prayer filter, thought filter, and lastly, 
The good old attitude filter. Attitude filter. I, I was talking with Todd Clayton about this passage, our worship leader, and one of his things he picked up on in this passage is how near the end of it, Paul basically says, I've got a secret. I've got a secret. And if you hear, ever hear someone say that, what do you do? Oh, really? Let's, you got a secret. Spill. <laughs> give, me the, give me the stuff. Give me the goods, right? And I love how he said that. He says, I got a secret, and, and here's my secret. That no matter what my circumstances are, I choose to be content. I choose contentment. Well, that's not a great secret. <laughs> Yay, that sounds really holy. I wish I could do that. Well, the truth is, is the reason he says it and the reason that God inspired him to write that down in this letter is to let you and me know that we can choose to be content. That we can determine to have a good attitude no matter what our circumstances are. Because when we apply the attitude filter, it keeps, here's what it keeps out. It keeps conditional happiness out. And it lets unconditional joy in. See, happiness almost all the time is dependent upon our circumstances. And our moods and our feelings are pretty much attached to that. And so we're going to be sometimes happy, and sometimes we're going to be sad, and, and, and that's just a reality. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to preach to you, be stoic and have no emotion. That's not what I'm saying at all, but what I'm saying is that, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, I, I go to a lot of funerals and, and lead and officiate a lot of funerals, and I see someone who does not have the hope of God in them and how they grieve. And then I see someone who has the hope of Christ in them and they still grieve and they're still sad. But boy, is it different. There's something different there. There's this anchor within them that causes them, as the Bible says, to grieve yet with hope at the same time. It's because... Our joy, by faith in Jesus Christ, our joy that we have, that we allow to enter into our hearts, that we allow to enter into our minds, that we allow to enter into our spirits, that joy is not based on circumstances. It's not based on what we have or what we don't have. And boy, you know, to, to, to Travis's point in the video in Christmas time, boy, I, I just remember thinking like, oh man, you just, you just want to see people get happy and get what they want and get what they want. But, but at the end of the day, the most amazing happiness you can ever have is the joy that you can have when you're not getting anything that you desire right now. Like, I want this and I want that and I want that and I'm not getting any of those things right now. And yet... Because of Christ, I have this inexplicable joy that anchors me down. And maybe I'm bummed a little bit, and maybe I'm sad, and maybe, maybe I'm very sad, and yet there's joy in the midst of that that anchors me, that centers me, that grounds me. That's what we need. And the way you do that is to say, you know what? I'm going to put a filter right now between conditional happiness and unconditional joy because they're not the same. I will not allow there to be conditions on my joy. It's almost like we have to remind ourselves that no matter what happens, if we have a relationship with God, 
We have everything we will absolutely ever need. We can lose it all, but if we have that, we have it all. And that's a real deep, profound truth. And it takes a lot of filtering. Listen, it takes a lot of daily, hour by hour, maybe even sometimes minute by minute filtering to separate the conditional happiness from unconditional joy. But maybe that's a filter you've not been applying in your life and it's time to start using it. That's the next step I want to close with with you guys this morning. We always want to give you, what do you do with this? What do you do with this? Okay, that's cool. There's prayer, thought, attitude filters. Here's the next step I want you to grab hold of. Don't just have a filter. Use that filter. I'd venture to say, probably everybody in this room, we, we kind of have that filter. We, we, we recognize that, well, I don't need to dwell on every negative thing. You know, we, we, we realize that. We realize that there are attitude adjustments that need to take place. And you probably pray. You've probably prayed lots of prayers, perhaps. I'm just saying, you have the filters. Use them. Put them into action. And don't just use them occasionally. Use them continually. Let that be your next step today. Maybe there's one specific one that jumps out to you like, oh, man, I, I don't know when the last time I used that filter is, or maybe I've never used that filter. Well, I, I, I need to use it more continually. I don't know what jumped out to you. You know, this morning I was having a flashback. Uh, and this is a, kind of a funny story, but I, I, I was sometimes a smart aleck to my parents. I, I regret that a little bit. Uh, but whenever I felt like I, I, I was getting frustrated, uh, I would my best thing I knew to do is come back with a comeback. And one of, the, one of my th things that my mom loved to say was, hey, 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 watch that attitude, young man. Hey, you got an attitude right now. Watch that attitude. She'd say that to me. And my comeback, and I probably only used it a couple of times, my comeback was, well, Mom, everybody has an attitude. Some people have a good attitude. Some people have a bad attitude. I don't know what you mean when you say I have an attitude. Is it good or is it bad? What's the problem? And then I would wake up from my unconscious state and, you know, what happened? <laughs> I remember saying that, and she would always say, don't you use that psychology on me. <laughs> and, and I was trying to be smart, Eliki, but, but that is kind of true. We, we, we know about attitude, and we have an attitude, but have you actually used intentionality with your attitude? You, you have a thought life. Everybody in this room has a thought life, but do you guard it? Do you filter it? Do you have intentionality with it? You pray prayers, but do you make sure that they are actual conversations with God that you put between you and the worry in your life? That's the question. Let me walk with you one more time through these filters as we close. So if you apply the filter of prayer, here's what I think it would look like. Let your conversations with God be a barrier between you and worry. It's a conversation. Place that conversation between you and the worry in your life. Thought. Let your choice of what you dwell on be a barrier between you and junk. You get to choose what you dwell on. You make that choice. So maybe you have a choice to make this morning on what to dwell on. And in attitude, let your determination to be content be a barrier between you and unhappiness. You can choose to be content. Paul said that was the secret. You let it be your secret. You let it be your tip. You let it be your filter that you use in your life. Which one of these resonates with you most? 
Which one is God telling you to apply in your life right now? Listen, how many of you would love to be able to say what Paul said? I, I, I have joy. I rejoice always. I, I, I have joy. He's in prison facing the death penalty. And he says, I rejoice in the Lord always. And so should you. <laughs> I want a dose of that, don't you? Sometimes I need a shot of that in my life and in my heart. But you want to be able to say that you have the peace of God which transcends all human understanding. How many of y'all would like a serving of that today? You can have that, but the choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for teaching us about these filters that we don't always apply, Lord. And I believe this morning you're speaking to somebody's heart to say, hey, I'm talking to you, buddy. I'm talking to you. It's time to start having conversations with me. It's time to start choosing what you dwell on. It's time that you start choosing to be content and let my joy and let my peace rule in your life. God, help us with that. We can't do it on our own. Just like Paul said, we need your strength to do these things. Father, give us your strength now. And Father, there might be someone in this room, they've never taken their very first step of faith, which makes pretty much none of this real in their lives. And so maybe in this moment, they would call out on your name and say, God, please save me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior forever. And Father, by someone taking that step of faith, help them to know that now, you're going to create in them a new heart, a thankful heart, a heart that is filled with your peace and your joy. Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you for first loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.